At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. I want today to start, we've been teaching in Proverbs and we're not nearly through with that teaching. We're going to be in that teaching for a good minute. Uh, but I want to step away from it today for just a little bit. And I want you to look with me in the Gospel of John uh, chapter 1 and reading verse 16. The Word of God reads like this, and of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. And then in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, there is this word, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Today I want to teach the word of God from this idea, living by grace, living by grace. I open this teaching today by declaring to you that uh, all of us as the people of God need grace. All of us as the people of God need grace. All of us as the people of God need grace. It is not just the person who has no relationship with God who needs to experience grace. But all of us as believers in Christ need to experience grace on a continual basis because we need grace to help us to grow into mature disciples of Christ. It is grace that saves us from life without God and it is grace that enables us to live life with God. It is or it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who spoke to us about cheap grace. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. It is baptism without church discipline. It is communion without confession and it is absolution without personal confession. However, true grace is costly. It is costly because it calls us to follow. And it is grace because it causes us, it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it calls a man or it compels a man to submit himself and take upon himself the yoke of Christ. And it is grace because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Whatever station we find ourselves in life, 
all of us are called to learn how to live our lives under the revelation of the kingdom of God. It is the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that speaks to us about the life and ministry of Christ. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known to us as the Synoptic Gospels, and they're looked upon as the Synoptic Gospels because they all present the ministry of Jesus from somewhat similar stories and episodes. Mark's Gospel is the first Gospel, and Matthew and Luke took their cues from Mark. And then, of course, John is the fourth Gospel. When you study Mark's gospel, Mark's gospel does not give us any narratives about the birth of Jesus. Mark's gospel is known as the gospel of action. He hits the ground telling us about the ministry uh, implementations of Jesus. And so in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, we are told uh, in chapter 1 and looking at verse uh, 14, he says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Mark says that Jesus came preaching the gospel pertaining to the kingdom of God. Jesus did not come preaching church. He came preaching about the kingdom of God and it would be the vision of the kingdom of God that Jesus would entrust to the church. And then in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, Jesus gives us a series of parables all about the kingdom. And the kingdom is so imperative, it is so important, it is so significant, it is so vital that Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. He says that when a man has found and hid, he says for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The kingdom of God is so significant that the man, when he finds the treasure, Hidden in a field, he goes and he takes everything he has and he buys the field because the treasure is in the field. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is so important. He says it's like a pearl of great price. He says that a man, he will, when he finds the pearl of great price, that he will then sell everything he has. He'll gather all of his resources just to secure, just to buy that pearl of great price. The kingdom of God is about the basileia. It is about the rule and the reign of God. It is about the rule and the reign of God. And when I came to Jesus, I asked him to be my personal Lord and Savior. Can't you hear Jesus saying, if any man would be my disciple, let him first deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
The kingdom of God is both present, it is a present reality, and at the same time, it is a future hope. The kingdom of God, on one hand, is existential. It speaks to right now. But on the other hand, the kingdom of God is eschatological. It speaks of a hope to come. The kingdom of God, it is a present reality. It is existential because whenever a man or a woman accepts Jesus as Lord and Savior, Jesus becomes the king of their life. When he becomes the king of your life, that means that the kingdom becomes a present reality in your life. But at the same time, the kingdom is also a future hope. It is not just about today but it's about tomorrow it's about the later it's about the future it is eschatological because there's going to come a day when everybody is going to have to acknowledge Jesus as Lord there is a day coming when the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will be caught up in the air to meet our God and our Christ and there we will go to a city where there there is no death and no dying. There is no sickness and no sorrow. There is no trials and there are no tribulations. It's a city where we will sing the perfect anthems with them out ever being broken. And every day is going to be Sunday and sweet Sabbath will have no end. It's the city of no more. It's the city where the sun never sets because the sun never rises because Jesus is is the light of the city and so we praise God for his kingdom it is the grace of God that brings us into the kingdom of God and it is the grace of God that enables us to live a fulfilled life in God's kingdom and so in the gospel of John chapter 1 reading verse 16 John says and of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. John says to us that there is a fountain brimming over with grace and we better understand what John says to us about this fullness of God's grace when we listen to Paul in Colossians chapter 2 or chapter 1 when Paul says to now chapter 2 when Paul says to us in verse 9 for in him talking about Jesus for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily somebody just shout fullness for in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Uh, Paul says that in Jesus you had all of the divinity that you could put in dust. That Jesus was fully God and he was fully man at the same time. So that in Jesus then we have the love of God that is being expressed to a lost humanity. In Jesus Christ you have the supreme expression of God's love. And grace is overflowing in Jesus because grace is what allows the love of God to be expressed to us. John 
says and of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace uh, this this verse could be this verse could be translated and of his fullness we have all received and blessings one after another some translations read this as saying grace following grace grace uh, on top of grace grace heaped upon grace grace upon grace the idea is that grace is over overflowing and you and I ought to just thank God today for his grace it is the grace of God that has enabled us to be saved from being lost and separated from God it is the grace of God that is available to aid us in whatever situation we might find ourselves in John is speaking to us about how amazing God's grace is because it doesn't matter who you are and what you are facing there is no challenge no is there's no conflict there is no difficulty there's no dilemma that you will ever have to deal with in life wherein God's grace will not be sufficient to help you to overcome what you're dealing with the grace of God can help you to move beyond and overcome every challenge in your life this is the grace of God it's overflowing for you and I everything that you have everything you ever hope to be is going to be predicated on the grace of God the house you live in grace the car you drive grace the clothes on your back grace the food on your table grace the family that you love grace your spouse grace the job that you got grace the fact that you woke up this morning grace having the activities of your limbs grace being in your right mind grace getting home from work grace children ain't lost their mind grace being delivered from the devil grace God's grace is just overflowing in your life you ought to look at somebody right now and tell them every time I turn around he keeps on blessing me this is the grace of God and then in Ephesians chapter 1 Paul helps us to understand how prolific and how powerful God's grace is he reminds us that we are not lucky but we are blessed he says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ I need to remind about five of y'all today is that you are not ordinary. You can't be saved and be ordinary. If you're saved, you're extraordinary. Because you don't live by the flesh, you live by the spirit. You're not operating in the natural, you're operating in the supernatural. And you have a God who desires to bless you. You don't have to coerce him to bless you. You ain't gotta beg him 
him to bless you. No, he purposes to bless your life. The Bible I read says, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard and neither has it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. Yes, God ain't got no problem getting the blessing to me. He just needs me to walk to my blessing. He just needs me to believe it before I receive it. You are blessed and highly favored of the Lord. I'm going to say it again without apology. I say you are blessed and you are highly favored of the Lord. And then Paul uses words like he says you were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. He says having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ. And then he says to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. You have been chosen by God and you have been predestined by God. And to say that one is chosen, to say that one is predestined that's using language that again speaks to us about the doctrine of election. And the doctrine of election means that God chose you before you chose him. It's a very challenging doctrine. Some people don't want to deal with it because they cannot fully fathom it. But I don't run from a revelation that I can't fully fathom because I wouldn't have a God that I could figure out. What I love about God is I can't figure him out. And I ain't got no problem because that assures me he's the creator and I'm the creature. And the creator made me, I didn't make him him and so it speaks to us about the doctrine of election we read it in Romans chapter 8 where Paul says God declares Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated God chose me you see if you ask me about my salvation experience I would testify that a day at a time came in my life when I decided to make Jesus my choice but you see when I decided to make Jesus my choice is because Jesus had already chosen me before I chose him. He didn't choose me the day I chose him but even before I was born in the council of the Godhead before I came from my mother's womb Jesus had already chosen me and God is so secure in the sovereignty of who he is that in his sovereignty he can still let me operate with a free volitional will so that when I do decide to make him my choice I'm choosing him because I've already been chosen by him and God knew that when the day came that I would have to make a decision he knew I was going to choose him even before I made the choice that's shouting information 
That means then that everything is happening in my life. It ain't happening by accident. It ain't happening by happenstance. But it has to do with the will of God. So that God is going to work things out in my life. Even though sometimes it appears to be so contradistinctive to what God has promised me. I need to help somebody to go on and stand up and holler. That if you've been going through something lately, if the bottom has fallen out, if you've had some situations that just look like it's got terrible written all over it, I'm trying to tell you, don't you keep on crying. Don't you start having a self-pity party. You just remind yourself that the Bible declares, and we know all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to the purpose of his will. That when the devil is trying to distract you and to discourage you and to destroy you. God is saying if you just hold on and hold out that weeping may endure for a night but joy is going to come in the morning and you'll be able to look the enemy in the face and tell him you meant it for evil but God meant it for my good. I wish I had somebody that could shout in anticipation of what God's about to do in your life because all the hell you've been going through it is nothing but a blessing in disguise hallelujah goes right there and so I'm thanking God for grace because everything I just told you it has to do with the grace of God it has to do with a God who's made himself known to you as father a God who made himself known to you as son and a God who made himself known to you as Holy Spirit it is grace that makes you know God as father for he's the one who loved you when you did not love him he's the father who comes seeking you Jeremiah said he has loved us with an everlasting love and Jesus said a man had a hundred sheep and he took them out to graze when he got back he had 99 but one of them wasn't missing he said but the shepherd is such a loving father that he leaves the 99 in the sheep goes back out into the wilderness just to pick up that one lost sheep. Somebody said, I was that one lost sheep. And then grace is where God has helped you to come to know him as son. So John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible affirms the fact that God sent Jesus into the world for no other reason than to bless us. Sent him into the world for no other reason than to make it possible that we could be reconciled to our God and to our Christ. And then it is the grace of God that has enabled us to experience God as Holy Spirit. Jesus said I've got to go but if I go I won't leave you like an orphan but I'm going to send the paracletos I'm going to send the one that's going to stand by your side 
and he will lead you into all truth and he will abide in you always and forever it is the spirit of the living God who then empowers us it is the spirit of God that equips us it is the spirit of God that enlightens us it's all an act of grace yes it's an act of grace and beloved you ought to praise God for who he is I said you ought to praise him for who he is so now we are told in 2nd Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ but the only way this can happen is there's going to have to be an interactive relationship. There's going to have to be an engagement between a divine initiative and a human response. Our mothers and fathers understood what I just said. That there has to be an engagement between a divine initiative and a human response. So our mothers and fathers put it like this. They said I heard the voice of Jesus say come on to me and rest lie down thy weary one thy head upon my breast and I came to Jesus just as I was weary wounded and sad but I found in him a resting place and he has made me glad yes thank God for Jesus because it is in his intervention into our lives that we have been brought into a personal relationship with him and then the spirit of the living God has taken residency in us because God wants to conform our character unto the character of the Lord Jesus Christ aren't you glad about that that I'm not just going to be a Christian in word but I'm going to be a Christian indeed <laughs> it's in my heart it's in my mind and it's also in my spirit and so we bless the name of our God and our Christ yes God says to us that I want to have an intimate relationship with you God says can I have this dance you were standing by the wall and you was just standing there everybody else was moving about but you were just standing like a wallflower standing there with no dreams and no aspirations standing there with no help and no hope standing there with no capacity and no personal empowerment to move the needle in your life standing there while others were treating you like you were insignificant no worth and no value and then God comes up and says can I have this dance and then God puts his arms around you and he starts spiritually serenading you 
the highest manifestation that we have of God we have received it in the person of Jesus Christ and now that I know Jesus then everything God wants me to be by grace has been signed sealed and delivered by grace it is signed by grace because it represents God's call upon my life Genesis 12 tells us about God's call to Abraham and says I want you to leave your family and your kindred I'm going to make your name great make you the father of a great nation and through your seed shall all families of the earth be blessed Abraham will have a son named Isaac Isaac will have a son named Jacob so Abraham Isaac and Jacob they become the patriarchal fathers of the nation Jacob will have 12 sons they become the nation of Israel and it is of the tribe of Judah that Jesus is going to come from that lineage and then Jesus comes into the world as the savior of mankind the same God who called Abraham is the same God who called you he's the same God who called me and the way we respond is we respond like Abraham is we walk by faith because Abraham looked for a city that he knew not of and he was traveling on nothing but a promise so the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God the Bible says now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen my faith allows me to have both conviction and certitude the reason I trust God is I got so much conviction about him and my conviction is based on what he's already done just look at somebody tell him he's already been good to me and based on what he's already done I got reason to trust him right now and then my faith is based on certitude because God has brought me through so much stuff that whatever I need him to do in the future I'm living like it's already happened I've learned how to praise him in anticipation my good friend Bishop Noel Jones says whenever you're looking for God to do something for you don't ever tell somebody you ain't got it you say I don't have it yet I haven't been healed yet haven't been delivered yet ain't gotten married yet ain't bought my new car yet ain't moved into my new home yet ain't graduated from college yet have you got what I'm trying to tell you that will allow you not only to holler on what he did in the past it'll not only enable you to praise him in the right now but it'll allow you to shout about what God's going to do in the coming days of your life but not only is the revelation signed in Christ by grace but the revelation is also it is also sealed if you please by the grace of God and it is sealed by the grace of God because it has to do with God's being
friend of my companion. It is holy communion that I have with the eternal. So I testify like Paul that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Sister Hurt, I feel like I need to get on somebody's street right now. Somebody can testify. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share while we tarry there none other has ever known. But not only is it signed and it's sealed but it's also wrapped up in the fact that the Holy Ghost becomes my personal empowerment for what God is going to do in our lives. Did you not know that your biographical sketch is in the Bible? Your autobiographical dilemma is in the Bible. It's Romans chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8. Because chapter 6 says God had to deliver me from the issue of sin. Chapter 7 says that now that I've been delivered, I still struggle sometimes. But then chapter 8 says, but there is no there is no con con condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Chapter 8 says it is the Holy Ghost that helps me to overcome my personal failure. Chapter 8 says it's the Holy Ghost that teaches me how to pray. Chapter 8 says it's the Holy Ghost that reminds me that we are conquerors and more than conquerors in Christ. Chapter 8 tells me that the Holy Ghost says that nothing shall ever separate me from the love of Christ. I've got to wrap the teaching up now, but I think I ought to tell somebody that the greatest personification of the grace of God is seen on an old rugged cross. So Paul says that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. One Friday on a hill called Calvary, they crucified Jesus on a cross on a hill called Calvary. He bore our transgressions on a hill called Calvary. He paid our price on a hill called Calvary. He died our death. Didn't he die? And before he died, he said, Father, it is finished. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. He never said, I'm finished, but he did say, it is finished. The whole account has been settled. A highway to heaven has been made and paradise is prepared. And then he dropped his head in the locks of his shoulders and then there breathed his last breath. They buried him in another man's tomb but the Bible says Sunday morning he got 
got up from the grave and said all power in heaven and earth is in my hands and now he's ascended back to glory he's got a name that's above every name I'm saved by grace amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found I was blind but now I see I know I don't look like I've been through nothing but the fact of the matter is I've been through a whole lot I've been in the fire but I didn't burn up I've been in the flood but I didn't drown because through many dangers toils and snares I've already come grace has brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me on a grace woke me up this morning grace started me on my way grace put food on the table grace gave me strength of body grace keeps on making a way it's nothing but the grace of God I don't know how you feel about it but when I think about his grace it makes me want to open up my mouth and give him the fruit of my lips when I think about his grace it makes me want to shout holler and dance is there anybody here who loves my Jesus do you love the Lord I'm living by grace not my goodness but his grace the people represent the church no matter where we are so stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ